How many of you like the idea of having a lot of gold? Fancy a lot of gold? Gold? It's a pretty stable currency. Might be a better bet than the pound at the moment on exchange markets. Uh, how many of you know that you've got something that's worth more than gold if you've been born again? Yeah, faith. Your faith is worth more than gold. Isn't that good? That's amazing, isn't it? So why don't you accumulate some more? Yeah, that's what Christianity is about. The whole Christian life is actually growing in faith, effectively. I want to talk about that. It's actually accumulating more of the treasure of heaven. Actually, Jesus told us not to be, uh, <coughs> sort of that sense of storing up treasure on earth, but he did encourage us to, to store it up in heaven. He's not against you storing up treasure. Just make, want to make sure you, you, you treasure the thing that's going to last for all eternity, not just a temporary measure, yeah? And, um, so I just felt prompted just to, uh, just throw, quickly throw out a few, few stories of what, what faith can do. Um, so, um, it's a good number of years back, so I've got, I've just got so many stories, I I'm sure, quick editing. There was a, a little three-year-old girl, um, whose, uh, mum Kim knew through, through the, uh, Tiger Tots, uh, group. And, um, and, uh, not part of the church, but we had a, 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 a guest meeting and they came along to this. And this little three-year-old had um, quite a lot of uh, health issues, but she had a particularly big problem because she had a massive hole in her heart, um, gap between the two chambers of the heart, so, so big that it was actually not, at that stage, repairable surgically. And she was on the waiting list for a, a heart transplant. And she was really diddy, wasn't she? She was, she was, she was micro, this little kid. Plenty of energy, but diddy. Um, and they were trying, waiting for her to grow big enough so that the, the chances of a heart transplant might be more successful. And um, anyway, she came along one on this Sunday morning, and uh, Mum asked if we pray for her. And we prayed for her. I think in two seconds, in passing, she, she, she didn't stay still. She wouldn't, you know, couldn't lay hand on her. Whoa, whoa! Off she goes. It was whoa, catch her, woof, and off, off she went. And the next day, she went up to um, her cardiology review, and um, and they do. Uh, What's called an echo, an ultrasound of the heart, to, to, you know, just to check on how the heart was functioning. And the cardiologist was very confused because he could find no hole in a heart on, on the on the echo. Now he he was so confused and, and didn't actually believe what was in front of him. He then went on to do a whole raft of other tests, um, including sort of injecting dye into it, and, and there was no hole in her heart left. Isn't that amazing. How long do we pray for her for? Ooh. In passing, about two seconds. Woo, how long does faith take to work? So, so you can't buy that stuff. Um, another story from, God just highlighted me to show you, was, was a, um, a few years ago, um, I was, it was a big uh, Bible week, Stony Bible week, and I was up on the, uh, the stage in the adult meeting, um, bringing some words of knowledge with regard to healing, and God had given me a whole fucking long list of, of words of knowledge <laughs> and I was working my way through these and uh, and in the middle of this he just he showed me and this is really unusual I hardly ever had this experience but he, sh- he gave me like an open vision where I could see something and it was actually the anatomy of, of, of somebody's back now being a doctor I, I, I enjoy that but I was able then to describe what God has shown me and this back was deformed basically so I described what I could see in front of me and then I carried on with the other words of knowledge the next morning, a 16-year-old girl came to see me <clears throat> and told me the story. And basically what happened was that in the teenage meeting, they'd heard that healing was happening in the adult meeting. 
And so some of the teenagers started to come across. Now this, this young girl had a back problem which she'd had from birth. <clears throat> and as she literally, she literally said, as she stepped through the door into the main adult meeting, I stopped and described her back in perfect detail. And in that instant, she was healed. And then she was able to do things that she had never done in her life. And they came to find me the next day, came to find us where we were in our tent. It was actually, that had been the last evening, so we were all packing up, ready to go home. So she came, and I actually knew her. And, um, <clears throat> and she just told me, and then she showed me what she could do now. now. Again, you can't buy stories like that with money. So how many of us have faith? I wouldn't tell you you've got faith. How many of you have got unbelief? Every hand should be going up. Every hand be going up. Okay, so we are this strange mixture that we don't like to admit to of faith and unbelief. And I want to address that issue. So, but if you, so I'm going to do that again. How many of you have got faith? And I do, I don't know, but I do need your hands to go. If you've got faith, okay, right, put the hand down. Now, how many of you have got unbelief? Let's be honest about it. Because I like that guy in the Bible. I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Because if you don't realize you've got it, you're not going to try and overcome it. Yeah? And if your faith is worth more than gold, it's that precious, you should want to overcome any unbelief that was stopping its way. That should be your, you, you should be willing to mine through the dirt to get the gold. Okay? Now, um, again, God gave me another illustration this morning. I thought, okay, this is an interesting one. How many of you got headphones that you, you plug into your iPad, your iPhone, and your phones, and is it? Okay, when you find them, when you're looking for them and you find them, what's your first expectation of what you've got to do? Plug them in. Well, plug them in. There's usually something you do before you plug them in. Certainly if you untangle them. Untangle them. Untangle them. They are amazing how tangled they get. You can drop them and five seconds later, they have this innate ability to be tangled. Yeah. In the first meeting I was talking about, there's some people who were... Obviously, they're tidy enough to actually get them. <laughs> now, that might be you, but I'm just not that organized, and I'm sure, actually, I think in, in getting that organized would take me more time than it takes to untangle my headphones. I'm sticking with the untangling bit. For those of you who are organized and offended by, by my, my tangledness, I, I apologize in advance. <clears throat> but it never occurs to me that I pick them up and think, oh, these things don't work. I bother to untangle. Yeah, I don't think, oh, these are useless, they're all tangled up. Now, what I want to do is actually do something with you today, which is try and untangle some stuff in the Bible, because a lot of the Bible is confusing. Is it not? So we're going to do some, some of that today, and we'll see how far we get in an untangling. Now, the headphone issue is quite easy. It usually takes a few seconds. Um, one Christmas, I was off, we moved into our new house, and we got trees in our garden, and I thought it'd be really nice to have some Christmas lights up in our trees. So, so I thought, I thought we've got so many, I thought, actually, I can crack this with one, because it's a limited number of sockets you've got outside. So I, I said to Kim, look, hey, found it. I found, found outside Christmas lights, 100 metres long. 100 metres. This will do the job. This will do the job. Now, how many of you have gone ahead of me? Because <laughs> a, a little bit of wire that goes between my phone and my phone, that manages to get tangled. 
in a way that can take me, but 100 meters, well, it was a nightmare. Even though it came out of the box nicely, it doesn't matter, so this is, for those of you who organised, it doesn't matter how tidy it comes out of that box, it doesn't stay tidy for long. And um, <laughs> it took me hours. Because <laughs> I, was, I was getting up and then you find another snag. Now, one of the problem is when you find a snag, you know, when it's all crossed over, how much of it do you have to unravel? Every, yeah, you have to. <laughs> and then I thought I got it done and I got to within about the last 20 metres and I found about another three snags. Are you with me? Some things take a lot of untangling. And I think this issue around faith and unbelief takes quite a lot of untangling. It's not just your headphone. It's a big one. And I've been writing a book about this, and I'm, so I'm, I'm aware of that. And I'm, <laughs> I've been, even this last few weeks, writing more about it. Oh, man, there's another verse I can't get my brain around. And I'm going to show you that verse in a while, okay? So, but um, before we get to that, I want to take you to Genesis chapter 4, okay? The story of Cain and Abel. So we're going to read this through. <clears throat> because one of the things that I have when I, is, when I talk about miracles, of, particularly miracles of healing, and, uh, and stories, and I can, I've got literally hundreds, if not thousands, that I can tell you, you know, not just personally, but from... Well, there's always the yes but, Pete. How many of you got any yes buts? How many of you got big buts? <laughs> 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 I'm telling you, the trouble is, if the only thing you look at are your butts, you've got a real problem. But, we do have butts. And we need to tackle those things, because actually, I can tell you some of those stories, some of those testimonies can land out there and go, hey, yeah, but I haven't been healed. Yeah, but it didn't quite work out. It's not, it's not quite as easy as that, Pete. And this is a confusing story. Cain and Abel? Anybody been confused by this Bible story? We're all going to have a look at it. Adam made love to his wife. That's all happening in this sermon. <laughs> and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favour on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favour. How do you feel about that? That look a bit, bit rough? Not fair? A bit rough, that. What did he do wrong? There are various theories around in the theological world of, of why, you know, Abel and Cain bought different offerings, why Cain's was, was, was not acceptable and Abel's was. Um, some were to do with the idea that, that well, Abel, his, Abel was, was obviously from animals, so that was blood in it, and he's a blood offering, and uh, that's actually not a, the Bible doesn't substantiate that offering. Um, there are other some humorous people who, who say that God's not a vegetarian. Um, uh, but let me go. So, so, what was the outcome? Cain was very angry. Now, have you ever been angry with God? Hey, look, this doesn't seem fair. This isn't working. This is, you know, all very well. 
How come that happened for them and it didn't happen for me? What, what, what's going on? What, what, where's the fairness in this? You know, some of you are sitting there right at this moment in time. This is, it could be right where you're at. So Cain was very angry. On we go, next one. And his face was downcast, so he was fed up. <clears throat> the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? Now that looks like a stupid question. Doesn't it? God doesn't ask stupid questions. But they can seem stupid. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? Okay, so what's the implication of that? It's not difficult. This is not, this is, this is not too tricky to untangle this bit at the moment. Okay? So he's done something wrong. What's he done wrong? Well, we don't know yet, do we? In one sense, it's not clear from this. <coughs> but this is good, because actually this is God coming to him and actually saying, look, if you do what's right, you will be accepted. This is not God saying, I don't want to accept you. It's actually, if you want to be accepted, if you do what's right, you will be accepted. <coughs> but if you do not do what is right, okay, if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you. See, sin is not just something you do, it is a malevolent reality that desires to take over your life and control you. That's right. The, the, the issue for this is actually, this is not just a have you, it means to control you. It's actually... <clears throat> but you must rule over it. So basically, you, can, you need to conquer it. So what does it look at? Imagine if, <clears throat> if God says... Oh, I'm sorry, come on. Yeah, we'll talk about this. <clears throat> So, if you, if you do what is right, you will be accepted. And I want you to imagine that, that God is, is in that corner of, of the auditorium where, you know, where the teas and coffees are, he's getting in ahead of you. Okay. And you want to meet with him. What's sensible? Go over there. What would happen if you go over there? You're not going to meet him. Why? Because you've gone to the wrong bit. If you do what is right, You'll be accepted. If you go over there, what's waiting for you over there? So there's something, because basically the the essence of sin is being separated from God. And it's a belief system. It's not primarily a behavior system. This is what you choose to believe. Once you you take yourself away from the presence of God, then, then you are placing yourself in a precarious position. Does God want that to happen? Is God making you do that? No, because you, you, you get choices of what you do. That's what freedom's all about. So, if you come over here, what God says, come over here and you will be accepted. It's easy. Go over there, what's the problem? Sin's crouching. And it's going to control you. And so the story goes on. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother and killed him. What just happened? Sin just controlled him. And his problem just escalated rather. See, God gave him the opportunity to try to correct him and come back and be restored. What happens if you don't? Things usually escalate. Got it? It's not too tricky so far, is it? Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Next one. 
I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? So what's, who's he blaming now? Anybody but himself. Not my fault. The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you're under a curse and driven from the ground. Now, this is really important. That doesn't say God cursed him. It didn't. What does God do? Accept. What sits over there? Sin and the curse of sin. It's really important to understand. You get consequences of sin, not because God is cursing of you, but that is the outcome. The outcome of sin. The wages of sin is death. How many of you like getting your wages at the end of the month? Yeah, I earn that. I deserve it. Well, that's the problem. How many of you would complain if you didn't get your wages? Say, hey, that's not fair. I earned this. You understand why this is not about fairness? This is about choice and wisdom of where you put your trust. Faith is where you put your trust. And the biblical faith is faith in God, which is drawing close to him. Draw close to God and he will draw close to you. Wander away from him, danger. Sin is crouching there to take you further away in the, to be trapped and enslaved by it. Yeah? And the Bible tells us not to allow ourselves to be enslaved. It doesn't say it's not possible. Just don't allow yourself to be enslaved. And where does freedom exist? Wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So you find freedom in the presence of God. So he's under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your, your brother's blood from your, your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. See, Cain understood the enormity and then he was the problem he foresaw was that he would no longer be in the presence of God. That's the biggest problem you can ever face. Okay, flip over. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. What does God do? But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. Then the Lord will put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him will kill him. Don't know what that was. You ever intrigued by verses like that? You think, what did that look like? It must have been obvious. It wasn't hidden away. It wasn't some hidden tattoo. Something marked him out for everybody to see. Don't mess with him. Otherwise, you're messing with God. That's amazing, isn't it? Seeing that he's already departed from God. God is still willing to protect him. I suggest that's grace. God, I, what's God's heart for Cain? Always. Come back, be restored. And he protects him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Well, I think that's a fascinating story, and I think there's a whole lot more to it that you could get to, but I haven't got time to get into, into this story in greater detail. But if you turn now, if you turn up to um, Hebrews chapter 11. Okay. So I'm going to read it, and then you're going to Help me find out what the issue is. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. So what was the difference between Abel's 
offering and Cain's offering. Faith. The Bible is the best explanation of the Bible. It's not to do with God being a vegetarian. It's not even about blood sacrifice. It's actually the fact that Abel did it in connection to God, with God, trusting God. And somehow Cain could do something that looked similar externally, but didn't have faith. There's the biblical explanation. Now, we'll go on. Read verse 5. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Isn't that an amazing testimony? How many of you fancy that as a testimony? Wow. Just to be known as one who pleased God. And that means to bring pleasure to. Now, I would think with that sort of resume, you deserve a few chapters in the Bible. Wouldn't you want to know? Wouldn't you want to know the secrets of this guy? Because there's only two guys in, in biblical history who didn't die. This guy's one of them. Who's the other one? Elijah. How many chapters on Elijah? A lot. How many chapters on this guy? Not even one. How many verses? There are seven verses, there's a passage, there's seven verses where you find out he's born and he's son of so and so and then he becomes dad of this, that and the other. Dum, 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 dum. And then he, he wasn't. And, and he got five words that tell you what he did with his life. Five words! I thought, that is simply not enough. In my mind. This guy deserves a lot more than five words. It says, this is what it says, because Enoch walked with God. That's it. Well, that, that's, that's, that needs some unraveling, doesn't it? Because I think... I, I, I want... He and I are having a conversation when I get up there. He walked with God. What's that mean? Well, I'll, I'll give you a few ideas. He never left his side. Never wandered away. Never chose the other side of the room. See, in the Garden of Eden, Garden of Eden, what did God do? He came and walked. How about this as an epitaph? She walked with God. He walked with God. He was so pleased. Do you know what brings God pleasure? You being with him. You being with him. So you can do a lot of things as a Christian and you know how to do it, but it's not necessarily done in faith. It's not done with God. See, every Sunday you can come and give a sacrifice of praise. Give my sacrifice. Because I have to. That's what Pete's told us to do. You come and you worship every Sunday. So I come and do it. Always obey the instructions that have been given. 
follow every instruction just like a slave. So in in the parable of the prodigal son, which I prefer to call the parable of the good dad, you've got two brothers. Which brother do you think understood the heart of the father the best? Yeah, I'm pretty clear it's the young one. He understood his dad. He was just a bit of a miscreant. How did, how did the older brother understand his dad? It tells you clearly, it says, he certainly, certainly wasn't keen on the, the brother coming back, was he? Didn't like grace. Refused to join the party. And when the father went out to bring him in, to restore him, this is what he said to his father. He says, I have never disobeyed you. I have slaved for you all these years. Okay, so I want you to imagine, how many of you got kids? Good number of you. Imagine your kids come into this and say, oh, I've never disobeyed you. Probably not true, but I'm not. <laughs> For some of you, that's an appealing thought. Throw that away, throw that away. <laughs> I've slaved for you all these years. Wow. I've slaved for you. That's what it says. How would you feel? Would you be pleased? Or would you be heartbroken? Heartbroken. Why? What's missing? Love and relationship, you see. Can we go back to Hebrews 11? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. That's what faith looks like. Firstly, what's the first bit of faith? So, Without faith it's impossible to please God. Anyone who... The first bit of faith is simple. Read it, you can read it, it's not tricky. Comes. First thing to do is come to First thing, come. What's he say? Come. Bride and the son. Spirit and the bride say, come. Draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. Why? Because he loves being with you. What happens if you go off in a different direction? See, and the other problem is, you see, sometimes we think that sin is, 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 sorry, is breaking God's rules. It's not. It's breaking God's heart. It's a relational issue. He wants you in a relationship of love and trust because love always trusts. That's the basis of faith. The loving relationship where I trust. That's what faith is. Trusting him no matter what. No matter what you're going through, who are you coming to? With also, and when it says that he exists, actually the Greek word there is that he is. And you get to fill in the dots of who he is. That's, that's That's the beauty of faith. It's of this eternal adventure of the discovery of who God is. You know what? He is whatever you need, whenever you need him. Any circumstance. There is no circumstance that he does not have an answer for. So when you face a difficult circumstance and you head off into the wrong corner, you got it wrong. If you do what is right. 
And what will you do when you come to him? You come, believe he is. See, see, faith is about believing. He will, it's not difficult, it's up there. He'll reward you. Man, he's good. You think, well, I don't deserve it, I need to do some more work. And you're just stuck in the wrong corner. Trying to work. See, God does not want you to work for him, he wants you to be with him and work with him. I'll put this down. Faith is not shown how by much, faith is not shown by how much you work, but by how much you trust God to work. It's good, isn't it? I thought so. It's a word of, word of wisdom God gave me. Oh, that's good. I like that. Thank you very much. So I'm not taking credit for it. This is out of heaven. Okay. He gives us words of wisdom. Faith is not shown by how much you work, but by how much you trust God to work. That's gold. Okay. Got so much more to say. Um, without turning to it, James chapter 5 says that, that if you're sick, call the elders. I'm one of those. And this is part of the job. And they will lay hands on you and the prayer of faith will heal the sick. Do you know you can pray without faith? And it doesn't work. And this is where we have to come to terms with our unbelief because there's stuff that is not working yet in Christianity as it's meant to work. Now, I want to tell you, you are people of great faith, all right? So I'm not here telling you you haven't got enough faith. I want to tell you you've got great faith. There are certain things that you already have absolutely nailed down. So, if you're born again, how many of you know you're going to heaven? That is amazing. That'll last everything. That's beyond healing. It's even beyond being raised from the dead, because you have to die again. It is. That's you. This is, this is you confident about your eternal future, not just these few years here on planet Earth. That is amazing faith. Already sorted. How many speak in tongues? You're already supernatural. How many prophesy? Already ready to, ready to change the world. Do you understand? These things are the part of you that you have already mined that part of, of the field and you got it. Okay? So there are parts of your, so this is really important because there's no condemnation. I'm just telling you there's more parts of this field to mine for gold that we've not yet found. And healing is one of them. Okay? And we might have to get through some dirt to get there. But we have, you, I want to tell you, so this, hear me, you've got gold already. You, you already have great faith, but there is more to have. And if we don't keep mining for the more, then the world is going to be short of the gold that we can deliver. And healing is a key one. Now, so... Um, we need to go to oops, uh, Acts chapter 9 I think it is no Acts chapter 14 Acts chapter 14 because um, I've been working on my book about faith I've been, <laughs> so I'm reading a lot around it and I read this one the other day and thought oh whatever found another tangle <laughs> oh, no. I've got to have to pull the blooming thing through this, this tangle. Oh, I haven't seen this before. 
In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He'd been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him (laughs) and saw that he had faith to be healed and called out, stand up on your feet. At that moment, at that, the man jumped up and began to walk. I thought, what on earth is that about? What did he see? And the answer is, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't untangled that bit yet. I thought, oh man, I, what? Remember the guys being lo- lowered their friend through the roof? What did Jesus see? Their faith. And on the basis of that, he said, okay, guy, your sins are forgiven. That got changed. He said, oh, take up your mat, walk, off you go, home. Boom. What, what, what is it possible to see that maybe we're not seeing? Okay, so I've been pausing about this, but I want to finish this by just telling a story. Um, some of us actually uh, were at ELA recently, and we heard this guy called Graham Cook, um, who's, who's absolutely phenomenal. When he, he, he did some stories, and I'm just going to tell you one, because I, I, and I'm sort of going to leave you with this to, to think, because we, we're getting so far in this untangling, but I want us to do this. Our responsibility is corporate in growing an, a, 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 a community of faith, where more and more gold is, is, is available and the world is changed because of what we've found. Yeah? That's where we're going. So I want you to work with me on this journey. Um, so this guy, Graham Cook, he was working with a church um, and, um, and they were proudly telling him how <clears throat> they were working hard and they'd gone round the, the particular um, area where they, they, they were working and they'd knocked on every door trying to reach people for Jesus. Well, that's good. Great, well done. Sacrificial offering. How many of you have done that? I've done it, hated it. <laughs> never did it in this church because I never thought it worked, but actually I did it in other places. Oh, man, you just sort of sum your strength up, <gasps> knock on the door, knowing you're going to be rejected, and then you rejoice in your rejection. You think that, that, and, you think, and you think that's pleasing to God? I don't think so. I think, I think that's Cain. Not completely, but just, I'm just throwing it out there. Just <laughs> thinking... We think we're making these offerings good. God say, well done. We're going, no, that's stupid. So th- this guy, Graham Cook, said to them, why on earth are you doing that? That's, stu- that's stupid. And they go, they were a bit offended. We're working for God, if you don't mind. This is how we do evangelism. He said, <clears throat> so this is what you need to do. Because Jesus only did what he saw the Father doing. Jesus didn't knock on every door. Whoa. What you need to do is send people out in pairs, get them walking down the streets, and then then ask God which houses he's already working in. Get them to come back, contain notes, and then just send them to knock on those doors, because otherwise it's like to be dead work. Then he told this story, and I've got, bear with me, two minutes to get this story across, and I want to pray for you. And if you've got to go get your kids, then I'll work that out as well. So he told this story. So he was saying that, he was in a place and um, going to do some work. And God told him to go and, and, and go to this house and knock on the door and offer to heal their washing machine. And the problem was, they said that they have a young boy in the house who's got a problem with incontinence, and so the washing machine not working is a, is a, is a very serious issue for them. Okay? So he goes along and he, he knocks on the door, and from what we can make out, Dave Webster can 
Donna and I were there. We think it's probably a teenage daughter opened the door to him and he said, I've come to heal your washing machine. And the teenage daughter shouts inside and says, Ma'am, there's an idiot here who's come to heal the washing machine. (laughs) So mum says, well, what are you leaving him out there for? Bring him in. So he goes in and and, and he lays hands on the washing machine and it starts to work. What is more amazing, it wasn't even plugged in. He offers, to, he offers to pray for the little boy. They say, no, thanks very much. We're happy with the washing machine. That's great, thanks. Next day, God tells him to go back. <clears throat> so he goes knocks on the door. Girl opens the door. Says, ma'am, the idiot's here. <laughs> Bring him in. So, so this time he checks it's plugged in. Whether that's a lack of faith, I'm not quite sure. But anyway, <laughs> or just wisdom. Prays for the washing machine. And once again, it starts working. And offers to pray for the boy. And they say, no, thanks. He goes away. Next day, God says, go back. They say, right. So he decides on a different tactic this time. So he goes back, walks in. They let him in. This time they let him in happily. He's no longer the idiot. He's the guy who fixed the washing machine, free. And he says, look, you don't want me coming here every day to do this. So I'm going to pray for you and you're going to pray for the washing machine. Okay? So she said, well, I don't, well, how do I do that? He said, well, I'll say Touch the washing machine and be healed. Washing machine, be healed. So she, she gets then. He, he puts her hand on the back. She prays. And with that, the power of God hits her. She leaps in the air. The washing machine gets healed. And stays healed. They let him then pray for the little boy. Who then gets healed. That looks like faith. That looks like gold. Let's stand and pray, shall we? You've got to go give your kids, just give me a minute, and then I'll... <clears throat> I want to release the fire of heaven in this place right now. Because you need to be confident that God has power to do what he has promised. That you're not just coming to a benevolent Father who give you a pat on the back and sympathise with you. You're coming to the Almighty God who has more power than you could ever ask, imagine or even fully experience. Your Father, I release the fire of heaven in this place right now. Father, come now. I pray in awesome power. Father, I pray, release your power in this place. And I pray, release miracles in this place. Whoa! We just choose to connect to you right now. And I want you to do this with me. I want to say, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. We do that journey together that's celebrating in what we've already gained, the gold that we've already gained, but knowing that there's far more to be achieved yet within our Christianity, in this church. Actually, in the first meeting, somebody gave me a prophecy. 
personally to me, but said it talked about miracles. She saw miracles being released across the whole of Ebbsfleet Garden City as it's developed. We need, to, we need to get enough gold that we can share it out. Not hold it on rations. Not to be kept for ourselves. So Father, we pray. We commit ourselves to this process of growing in faith.